I think we have to, you know, my message today is not about this, but I, I feel like we need to speak to this, the issues at hand that, that we're dealing with in our country. <clears throat> and uh, I just want to encourage you to, to be sensitive to the needs of our, our black brothers and sisters, and not just brothers and sisters, as a nation, that there is a real problem. Sometimes it's hard to, if you're white, asking a white person if there's racism is like asking a man if pregnancy is hard. A man can see, and, but he has not experienced it, the reality of it. So I think we need to listen to those like Dr. Tony Evans who have navigated the system and they have no agenda. There's no agenda except the kingdom of God. This man is a kingdom man. And I would encourage you, you know, we have access to Right Now Media and Dr. Evans go to all kinds of Right Now Media and there is a series on that Dr. Evans has on Right Now Media. I would encourage you, I encourage you a couple of weeks ago to, to watch it. I would encourage you to watch that. And it, it's just six, eight or 10 minute little little talks that will give you some great insight into, you know, what we as the church, because we, we, the church, are the solution to the problem. The culture is not going to solve this problem. God has actually given the authority to solve the problems of the world to the body of Christ. And he wants us he wants us to be an example. So we, we need <clears throat> to solve the problem in our midst so that we can solve and help the world deal with this problem. So that's enough about that today. Today, we'll talk about some more because we need to keep having the conversation. Today, I want to talk about, we're studying the life of David, and I want to talk to you about the life-changing power of relationships and how important relationships are. All the best things in your life are going to come because of relationships. The best thing that ever happened to me was my relationship with Jesus Christ. The next best thing that ever happened to me was my relationship with Tina. <laughs> then the next best thing that happened to me was the birth of my children. Relationships. I mean, being, I'm in a family and I have a family. And being in family is so valuable and so important to me. So you think about how important is the, the relationship that brought about your birth? That's an important relationship, right? Your marriage, your parenting, your family, Christ's family, being in Christ. The relate, I love this. I, I, I don't know if you miss this. Uh, I miss being together with the body of Christ. This is my has revolved around being a part of the body of Christ. And, and I, I love being with God's people. I, I, love being in, I love being in the presence of the Lord with God's people. And so uh, we've, missed, we've missed this time. I know, I know you have because you've, you've braved uh, the odds <laughs> to come out today. You, you have, uh, you know, you're fighting the fight to be here, and thank you for that. Uh, so God's going to use relationships in your life. God's going to use relationships as one of the major tools that he is going to use to shape your life and to build you up and to encourage you. 
You think about the things that have happened in your life. I mean, even like getting a job. It's hard to get a job today outside of relationship. You know somebody who knows somebody that knows somebody that knows about an opening. So then you, they, because uh, it just is more difficult any other way to get a job. So nearly all the good things that happen in your life happen because of relationship. Also, nearly all the bad things that happen in your life happen because of relationship. Right? Betrayal, divorce, people who have been physically or sexually abused, either as a child or as an adult, uh, wrong choices that we make. The Bible tells us very clearly that bad company corrupts good character. In other words, so you can be in a crowd of people that are making bad choices, and you might make bad choices because everyone else is making bad choices. How many redneck tragedies could have been avoided if there was not anyone to hold your beer? Thank you for laughing at that. Because I, I read that to Tina and she said, that's not funny. I said, really? That's, that's, that's not funny at all? No, it's not funny. She doesn't like beer humor. She's a teetotaler. So. <laughs> Life is about relationships. So how can we make the good ones better and diminish the effects of the bad ones? So, so here we are in the life of David, and uh, he's fleeing from his son, Absalom, who's trying to take over the kingdom, and it's pretty likely that he'll die in that process. So he's fleeing from the city of Jerusalem. We talked about last week. He's fleeing to protect uh, the city and the, the innocent ones. So he's outside of the city. He's, he's continuing up Mount, the Mount of Olives. Uh, which is very strategic uh, in the gospel story, in the life of Jesus. But David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered, and he was barefoot. So this is a sign of mourning. He's covered his head, and he's barefoot. Uh, He's in mourning. He's in repentance. It's like, why is he repenting? Because he didn't cause this. Yeah, he's kind of aware that he did. He's aware that it's his failures and his mistakes as a father, his failure with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah. All of this has come together. Then Amnon rapes his sister, and he doesn't do anything about it. Then Absalom kills Amnon, and he doesn't do anything about it. There's a, there's a lot, this is a lot of regrets. A lot of, a lot of, I've messed up. You ever look back and think, man, I could have done that better. Now, David had been told Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. So David prayed, Lord, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 16, 23, talking about Ahithophel, the advice Ahithophel gave was like that of one that inquires of God. Now, here's an interesting thing. Ahithophel was David's, one of David's main advisors, but he was also Bathsheba's grandfather. 
So when Absalom decided to overtake David's throne, he was able to bring Ahithophel from David's side to his side because there was a lot of hurt still in Ahithophel's heart about what David had done to his granddaughter. You hurt my granddaughter? We're going to have an issue. Right? So, Ahithophel, although he's remained a counselor of David, he's in the back of his mind, back of his heart, <laughs> wherever that bitterness resides in your life, he's, he's, uh, he's got anger about David. David tells this story. Uh, he writes this psalm. And I think maybe this psalm is about this. It doesn't say, you know, some of the psalms say, this is the psalm that David wrote when he was running from Saul. This is the psalm that David wrote when he was fleeing from Absalom. But uh, this is an interesting psalm. Psalm 55 talks about an enemy, a person, a friend that has betrayed him. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising up against me, I could hide. But it's you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. People you love and admire will hurt you and fail you. Have you experienced that yet? <laughs> if you haven't, just wait. People that you have walked in the house of God with, that you... <clears throat> You considered very close friends. That's what David's saying. This is a person who was my friend, and, and I had no idea. They will take sides against you. People that you've poured your heart out to will use that information to advance themselves and hurt you. Some are our fault. Sometimes it's, it's, it's we cause it. Like David's relationship with Ahithophel. And some are the fault of others. Here's where we're surprised. And here's where you got to get a hold of this. Hurt and betrayal are a normal, normal part of the human, human experience. It's not abnormal. You know, it's, it's normal. And you don't get a buy. You don't get it. You don't get because you're a Christian. You know, people say, well, I... I, I, can't, I can't believe it happens in the church. It happens in the church all through the Old Testament. <laughs> it happens in the church all through the New Testament. You know what the problem is? The problem is people. Because people are imperfect. I don't know, are you perfect? I'm not. I had this one moment, one day, and then I kind of prided in it, and then it was gone. We're not, we're flawed people. And we're insecure. And, and you bring people together. You know, one of my fra favorite Bible verses is, where there are no oxen, the stall is clean. But where there is, with oxen, there's much advantage. So, if you have oxen, you have oxen poop. But, with, if you have oxen, you also have all that an, you have some, you know, then it was like having a Kubota tractor. Uh, you had an oxen, you had a, you had a tractor. You had, you know, in a, 
in a, in a bad time. It was also it had meat. <laughs> you had survival. It would had value. It had value, but there was also a cost. There was a cost if you had to clean up after the mess. And people are like that. People are, people are, people make messes. We make messes of our, our marriages. We make messes of our parenting. We make messes of life. We make mistakes. We get caught up in our ego. We get caught up in our hurts and we do things and say things. I mean, the apostle Paul even finds this out. The apostle Paul talks about this actually quite a bit. Second Timothy 4, 16, he says, at my first defense, no one came to my support but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Now, I think what's interesting in this is if you read a couple of verses ahead of this, he says, only Luke is with me. Only Luke is with me. And then he talks about all these people that have deserted him. And I think if I'm Luke, I'm thinking, what, am I chopped liver? What? You know, I'm, I'm here. <clears throat> He's saying at my first, so Paul is saying when I, when I first had to stand before judgment, everybody else was so afraid, nobody came around. Everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Sometimes it's hard to realize that you're not as important to everyone else as you think you are. I mean, even the apostle Paul is saying, I mean, you know, I am, you know, Jesus didn't make me an apostle, guys. I mean, <laughs> I thought maybe some of you might show up. Nobody showed up. So what can, so when you, when you experience betrayal and failure of people, Failure of relationship, what do you do? Here's what David did. Psalm 55, verse 16. As for me, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. So David says, the answer to this is to pray. The answer to this is to cast it continually, cast it upon God. Because when you get in these kinds of things, your mind is just racing like crazy. Oh, I need to look. When I get a chance, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this. Oh, I'm going to go on Facebook, and I'm going to let them have it. Don't do that. It doesn't work. He says, but I'm calling out to God. In the morning, at new time, at night time, every time I think about it, I'm, I'm casting this upon the Lord. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. God, who is enthroned from old, who does not change. Because, you see, people change, and their, their opinions about you change. But God's, God's opinion about you doesn't change. God doesn't love you less because you were a jerk today. Isn't that good news? He doesn't love you more because you showed up here. He doesn't change. Our relationship with him is built upon what Christ has accomplished for us. And he sees us through the, that lens. He sees us through the lens of his righteousness. God doesn't change even when we do and we fail and we mess up. He doesn't change. God who is enthroned from old does not change. He will hear and humble them because they have no fear of God. Verse, further down, verse 22, it says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Now, that, think of it, that's an interesting perspective because right now David is being shaken. He's being shaken by betrayal. Betrayal of his son Absalom, betrayal of his, his counselor Ahithophel and others that have joined 
the elders of Israel that have joined with the conspiracy. He's outnumbered and outgunned. He's, he's overwhelmed, but he's saying, God will, God will <laughs> never let me be shaken. Shaken from what? Shaken from his righteousness. The God of righteousness, he will never let the righteous be shaken. You can't be shaken from the righteousness that you've received. Christ. So what does David do? David turns it over to God. He said, so how do you handle this? How do you handle betrayal? Well, you can stew about it and make it worse, or night and day you can give it to the Lord. You can cast it upon the Lord. That's what David does. He's given it to the Lord. So David prays this prayer. Lord, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. It's a short, faith-filled prayer. I'm sure God appreciates them. I do. I mean, you think, we pray weird prayers. We pray weird. Have you ever with somebody that's praying? Uh, this is one thing that gets me a lot of times. And if you do this, it's okay because you're weird and I'm weird too. But, but people who say Father God in their prayer like 47 times. Father God, we're here, Father God, and we thank you, Father God, that as we gather, Father God, with this need, Father God. <clears throat> and you know what? You know what? And here's the I'll, here, I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. God doesn't care. And here's how I know that because my granddaughter can't talk very well. She has a speech difficulty. But she does talk. And she doesn't pronounce hardly any words correctly. But I don't care. She'll say, Papa, I love you. Say, how much do you love me? I love you too much. Now, I want you to get that about the Father. We're all weird and we say things that, you know, we're all not very good prayers. We say, oh, Lord, teach me to pray. I want to say, you know how to learn how to pray? You don't need to go to seminar. Just start praying. Because God doesn't care. Here's this little, this little short, do you think God, God will often use short prayers? You think how Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed a lot of short prayers. When they woke him up in the storm, Jesus said to the storm, quiet, be still. That was his prayer. At the grave of Lazarus, he prefaced his prayer with this, Lord, I'm glad you hear me, and I'm just saying this so the people around will know I'm just saying this part right here so that people understand that it's you who hear me. That was the preface to his prayer, which still wasn't very long. And then he said, Lazarus, come forth. This whole, that's his whole res. I mean, you think if, I think if I'm going to raise somebody from the dead, it's, I'm going to have to work up to it, you know, because <laughs> I am going to have to work up to it. And uh, he just says, Lazarus, come forth. It's amazing. Uh, on the cross. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Then he says, it's finished. <laughs> I, I think often uh, it's not the length of prayers that makes a difference. It's the faith that's in the prayer when you pray it. And I think often uh, God will give you a word to speak in the moment. 
He'll give you a word of faith to speak in the moment. I can, I can think of a handful of times in my life where God used little things to give me a big message. I mean, we were driving to San Antonio. This is about 20 years ago. We're driving to San Antonio, Tina and I. <clears throat> Actually, we're going to Harlingen. And we're going through San Antonio. And as we're going through San Antonio, there was a road sign. Just a road sign that said, rough road ahead. And God said, get ready. That's, that was it. I mean, you know, it wasn't like an audible voice, get ready. It was just when I read that song, sign in my heart. I felt like God just spoke by his spirit to my heart. Get ready. God will often use little things. He'll give you a word to speak in the moment. There are, there are times, don't get me wrong, there's times for long intercessory prayers, but they're not when you have an audience. There are, there are times, there's times for worship beyond even worshiping together. God wants us to worship together, and it's powerful to worship together. He wants us to come together in community. But also there's time for basking in the presence of God alone. So David just prays a simple prayer. Lord, you know, (laughs) make the counsel of Ahithophel foolishness. Lord, help me. And then immediately God answers the prayer. When David arrived at the summit, when people, where people used to worship God, Hushai, the archite, was there to meet him, his robe torn and dust on his head. David said to him, if you go with me, you will be a burden to me. Well, thanks for that encouragement. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, your majesty, I will be your servant. I was your father's servant in the past, but now I'll be your servant. Then you will help me by frustrating Ahithophel's advice. Won't the priest Zadok and Abathar be there with you? Tell them anything you hear in the king's palace. Their two sons, Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, and Jonathan, the son of Abathar, are there with them. Send them to me with anything you hear. So Hushai's David, confident, arrived at Jerusalem as Absalom was entering the city. So David sends him back to counter the council. That was his prayer. Lord, make the, help me. With this, the counsel of Ahithophel, his, when he speaks, he's like the, the voice of God speaking. His wisdom is so great. What's going to cancel that out? And he sends back Hushai. Here's, the, here's what I want you to get. God's going to send pe- people into your life who will help you through difficult seasons, often caused by people in your life. Who difficult. You get that? God will send people into your life to help you through difficult seasons. But if you've closed yourself off because of past hurt, or the hurt, and it it doesn't have to be very far past. I mean, David's hurt is very immediate, right? But if you close yourself off, you will miss the primary tool that God is going to use to build you up and encourage you and heal you. You've been hurt by people and wounded by people. How's God, what's God going to do? He's going to use people in the body of Christ that are going to come alongside that are going to help you heal. And if because you've been hurt, you reject everyone, it's like you just close yourself off and you shut yourself down, you miss the main ways that God is going to bring healing into your life. 
This is what Paul said. 2 Timothy 1.15. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me. Here we go again, Paul. Including Philegius and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Nesiphorus because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. My chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. Paul is saying, okay, everybody else deserted me. Man, there was this guy on Nesiphorus. He came when nobody else came around. And he often refreshed me. He was often helpful. So God will send people in your life that will help to lack, fill the places where other people have wounded you. 2 Corinthians 7, 5. For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by his relation of Titus. God's going to use relationships. This is the point. This is what I want you to get today, okay? The same way you've been hurt, God's going to use to heal you. And if you give up on people because some person has hurt you, you're going to miss the main way that God's going to use to heal you. So it's a series. Life is a series of often overcoming hurts. And God will bring people into your life to refresh you and bring comfort, comfort even when some, somebody else may have done bad or wrong things. As you read through the epistles of Paul, it's interesting. You read the beginnings of the epistles. He's greeting the saints. You get to the end, and he's thanking all the people. Romans 16 is a good example of that. Verses 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ. These were fellow Jews who were also tent makers like Paul was. And they came alongside him and helped him in his ministry. They had other things. They, they weren't always together, but they had worked often as a team together. And so Paul is saying to them, greet Priscilla and Aquila. They risked their lives for me, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia. My fellow Jews who have been in prison with me, they are outstanding among the apostles. Which is just, I want to just throw this out there. This is an interesting point that you may or may not like. So, Andronicus and Junia. Junia is a female name. Paul's saying that there were female apostles. Who have been, I'm just reading what the Bible says. My fellow Jews who have been in prison with me, they are outstanding among the, the apostles and they were in Christ before I was. And this, so Paul, I'm not going to read all of it, but Paul continues this, greet this person, say hello to this person, isn't this person wonderful, thank you for this person, for nine more verses. And he does this other places in the scripture. These are relationships. So, so now, now Paul has, has seen people betray him, right? 
Paul been betrayed? Paul been abandoned? Paul been slandered? No, he, he's right to Corinthians. I know some people say this about me. And some people say, oh, he's tough when he's in his letters, but when he's there, he doesn't speak well. Has, has Paul suffered all the things that, that people can do to you? Absolutely. <clears throat> he's been betrayed. He's been hurt. He's been, he's been mistrusted. He's been abandoned. He's been sent off to Tarsus so he can't cause any more trouble. And yet, here's what he's saying. Look at all these people that have helped me. These are relationships that Paul has built. If you want to see the payoff on a relationship, you have to make the investment. It won't just happen. Relationships. You know, I, I've had people that have been uh, coming to the church for four, five, six years say, I just don't feel connected. Well, guess what? The, a long time ago, it passed that it was somebody's responsibility to connect to you. Now you should be connecting to other people. You should, if somebody new walks through the door, you should say, hey, I know who I can, I can connect to these new people that need somebody to help them find the way around here. I'm going to reach you. Come in. I'm going to reach out to, to new people. And so as long as, you, as long as you come into the kingdom of God to be served, you will always miss out. Because the kingdom of God is built on the heart of service. Jesus said, I came as servant. He said, I'm the master. I'm the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But yet, I came here to serve you. So you should serve one another. The, the way that you, you build closeness and community in the kingdom of God is you serve together. Paul recognized that. He's saying, look at all these people we've served with and all that they've done. You, you have to be intentional. It won't just happen. So let me close with this. If you've been wounded, or I should say, if you haven't recovered from when you were wounded, because you've been wounded, if you haven't recovered, God wants to heal you. And there's two things that God wants to primarily do to heal you. One, he wants to heal you first by you being assured of your value of who you are in Christ. God's healing comes when you recognize your position in Christ, that who you are, which means you are beloved, you are chosen, you are accepted, you are family, you are friend. I mean, there's, and we could just go on with all these adjectives described, but you've been, <clears throat> you've been invited by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords into his royal family. You are now his. He claims you. You, have, you ever had times you were not sure you wanted to claim your kids? You know, maybe this would be, you know, you're like, ooh, whose kids are those? I missed you about the time that we were skiing together and Tina, uh, we were skiing and, and I missed the cue and got knocked over by the ski lift. And so Tina, you know, looked down with compassion and empathy and said, sir, are you all right? 
<laughs> but in it, he identifies with us. This one's mine. And that's one of the ways that God's going to bring healing to your heart until you recognize your value in Christ. If you're trying to get your friends to give you value, you're asking way too much than they can ever do. They can give you love and they can help you along the journey, but they're, they're, going to, they're weak. They're like you. They're, they're messed up. <clears throat> and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to say stuff and they're going to do stuff and they're not going to be there when you really needed them because they're not going to understand because you, you didn't tell them, but you thought they'd just figure it out and they didn't figure it out because they were doing their own stuff. And so you, you have to recognize, you have to let first, the foundation of your life has always got to be built on who you are in Christ. This is the strength of our life. This is the foundation stone. It really, really is the foundation stone. We're built on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, because you've got to get a hold of that, nobody's ever going to love you like Jesus does. I mean, your wife loves you, your husband loves you, but nobody's going to love you like Jesus does. Your kids love you. You love your kids. Nobody's going to love them like Jesus does. So you got to get that. That's foundational. And then secondly, you got to keep building relationships. You, you can't give up because one fails. Because they're going to fail. So you, you, you got to keep building relationships. And here's the things about, about relationships. It's, uh, it's, it's difficult. Building, building anything is a chore. It takes a plan. There's a cost, both of time and resources. It's going to, for you to have anything on the, to have accomplished anything, it's going to take sacrifice, hard work, commitment, time, money, a little more money, more money, and more money right? And that's the way friendships are. So let's stand up. You don't have to stand up if you're at home watching this. <clears throat> You've been hurt. Here's what I know. God wants to heal you. And God wants to use you in the kingdom of God. He wants you like Paul, just because Paul had people betray him, didn't mean that he didn't have work for Paul to do. He wasn't done with Paul. He wasn't done with Paul building relationships. Some of the people that Paul had big clashes with, like John Mark, were later people that he said, send John Mark. He is beneficial to me. Sometimes the Lord's going to work through those, help you work through those things and rebuild what has been broken. So I don't know where you are today, whether there's, there's bitterness and unforgiveness that you need to let go of so that God can heal you, whether you need to let Christ believe who Christ is in your life, whether you need to just let go of some things, and, or whether you're in a building time and God is saying, I, I want you to reach out. I want you to serve. I want you to start serving people and building relationships. Be intentional about it. It won't just happen. Nobody ever asked me a word for supper. You know the cure for that? Start calling people. Start reaching out. God will use that to heal you. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord.
that you love us and you care about us in our weakness and our weirdness. You've called our struggles and our failures. And Lord, we've often messed up relationships, but yet you've called us to love one another. As I have loved you, love one another, and we're not there yet. So Lord, help us to love better, be better friends. Lord, heal the brokenness in our hearts as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen.